0: We welcome you this morning to arise. Uh, we are dismissing our children. We just saying, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Are you trusting in him? In fact, Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. Are you trusting Jesus in that way? Yeah. Just like a child. And so all kids age 2 through 5th grade, we have something special for you. And you are welcome to head back to our Kid Connect. All right. Uh, Strobing lights, you got to love them, right? Um, It's weird because, you know, we will turn these things on during the week. And it just happens on Sunday. Gee, I wonder what that's like. like. Okay, that is really irritating to me. Um, uh, Sam, where are you? Oh, he's saying, okay, uh, Jim, tr- try this. I like to see you guys when I speak. So uh, why don't we cut, can you turn on the work lights on the platform and cut these? Just, I just want to try it. Okay, that gives us more light. Now, let's turn down the other ones until we get the strobe kind of, that's as low as it'll go. Now, what happens if we turn them off? they are off (laughs) good all right you guys these lights are kind of bright right are they distracting you okay with them okay it doesn't give you the cool theater effect these are work lights Yeah, yeah. We're trying to eliminate distractions is what we're doing. Good, good. All right. uh, Thank you for putting that verse up. That's where we started last week. If God has given you leadership ability, this is in the context of spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12. If God has given you spiritual or leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. So if you are gifted in leadership, You are to take that responsibility seriously. And I talked to you last week, for those of you that weren't here, about uh, Sam. Uh, God's got a call on Sam's life to lead and to shepherd his people. And a part of that process in growing is being licensed by our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so last week we announced Sam is now an officially licensed worker in the Christian Missionary Alliance. And that is really good news. That is really good news. Yep. And I also shared with you, now he's in the role of father right now, Um, okay, and uh, I shared with you last week, uh, when I refer to Sam from this platform, it will be as Pastor Sam. Now, we live in a day in which... uh, Respect to me is an incredible issue. In fact, I was just, uh, someone emailed me from Thailand who now lives in the States saying, I'm considering moving back to Thailand because of the disrespect of our culture. And the fact they don't honor the aged. they don't do what many Asian cultures do. I I understand that. But uh, I shared with you, when I go to the doctor, I don't call him by his first name. When I go to the dentist, I don't call her by her first name, even though they're half my age. Because that is an earned title of respect. And so I will call him Pastor Sam. You can call him whatever you want to. I don't give a rip. But I will call him Pastor Sam because he has completed a process and is moving to maturity in what God has called him to do. He is taking that seriously. And I take it seriously too. So feel free to call him. That's up to you. That's between you and the Lord. But uh, in a day in which... uh, You know, second grade students call their teacher by their first name. I don't get this. I don't get this. Right? And so our culture is changing. It's evolving. It's all good. God's still in control. I don't have an issue with that. But what I do like is this. If God has given you leadership, giftings, and abilities, take that responsibility seriously. And I want to bring Brenda Reuskatel to the platform now, if you would. Uh, We all know Brenda. Do you like her? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. They do. Uh, Brenda, you have worn many, many hats here over the years. How long have you been attending this church? How old are you? <laughs> I was going to say 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. Well, 30 years. We only had three kids when we moved here. is so. Isn't that how you mark the passing of time by your children? It <laughs> kind of works that way. But you've worn many hats here. And in my time here, you have served the Lord so very faithfully and i'm so very grateful for you and your family now seeing the need for a head trustee a head trustee brenda says here my lord use me this has been her heart cry ever since There's i've known like it <laughs> and she responded and took it seriously And so here she is uh, bringing her incredible energy and organizational skills and her team concept into the area of trustees. Now, uh, Brenda doesn't know why these lights are flashing, even though she's the head trustee, nor will she fix that. But she will make sure it gets fixed, right? Because that's who she is. And she's serving the Lord, taking seriously what God has laid on her heart. And now she assumes these new duties as the first female head trustee in the 55-year history of this church. Don't you think that's kind of cool? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Brenda uh, may be calling on you. And if you've got some ability, uh, she's probably going to give you a tap on the shoulder and say, can you do this project? She's not signing you up to be a trustee. She's asking if you can help with this project in the body of Christ. And so I know you're going to say yes. So that's pretty cool. Good, good. Brenda, thank you. Thank you for your willingness to serve. And we want to pray for Brenda and just kind of set her aside uh, to this role that that God has assigned her because she's taking this responsibility seriously. Wow. Thank you. All right, who'd like to pray for Brenda as she assumes these new duties? All right, let's pray together. Thank you, Nate. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't have to wait for me to call you if you have a special gifting a special talent especially related to this building is a tool and we need to sharpen our tool that's the way I look at it and and I don't know all of your gifting and abilities yet so please come to me if you have one if you feel like God's saying hey I've, I can do this is there a way you can use it and we'll, we'll put it together wonderful it's a good word thank you thank you thank you brenda and again uh i believe there are some people seated right here this morning who have leadership abilities and you're not taking them seriously and i would challenge you in this moment if god has given you that gifting of leading best take it seriously because one day we're going to give an account for what god has given us okay just a challenge I don't know who it's designed for all right well welcome to our next installment in our series called lies we believe lies we believe there's a war going on right now and immediately our head will go to the Ukraine and certainly there is a war going on it's devastating you see the images there's wars in other places in our world as well but that's not what I'm talking about this morning This is a war of continual cosmic confrontation. And it's between good and evil. God and Satan, angels and demons, lies and truth. It's a ferocious battle and at stake are the souls of people. You, me, and everyone in between. That's what's at stake here. There's a spiritual battle going on. Now, if you'd like to follow along and you are new here and don't realize that we have sermon notes... Uh, and would like some, that way you can kind of fill in the blanks as we go along. Just slip up your hand, and we'll get you those. Uh, If you're coming in, they're located right outside there. So if you need some notes, uh, just raise your hand, and we'll get you some. Okay? Good. So I'm talking about this battle that's going on. I I like to pull the lens back, because sometimes in our daily grind, we forget about what's happening in the cosmic world right now. This confrontation between good and evil. Let's get warmed up with some scripture. I'm going to throw a lot at you today. Satan, who is the God of this world? Who is the God of this world? Uh, You're supposed to say Jesus because he is the right answer, right? But the Bible and scripture are very clear about teaching us that Satan is the God of this world. Now, as the God of this world, he has certain things that he does and it's one of is listed right here in 2 Corinthians 4. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So Satan has come. He has a plan and he does this by blinding individuals from the glorious light of of the good news of Jesus. Make sense to you? We all understand this as Jesus followers. This is pretty basic stuff, but we need to be reminded Satan is the God of this age. Now, let's continue on. The reason that they don't believe and are unable to see the glorious light of the good news is because they have chosen, and I chose at some point in my life, to believe The lie, a lie. A lie that I could live this life of mine independent of God. So, Jesus said, you are the children of your father, the devil. Speaking to the religious leaders of his day, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. He has always hated the truth. Not only does he hate the truth, who is the truth, by the way? He is the way, the truth in the life. He has always hated the truth. He also hates those who follow the truth. And if you are a truth follower, a follower of Jesus, he hates you. It's not like he doesn't like you or he's got some bad vibes about you. He hates you. He hates you. Now that's hard for some of us to digest because we're people pleasers. and we don't like anybody not to like us. So the idea that someone actually hates us is kind of foreign. There's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, Jesus says, you naturally don't believe me. Why? Because you've been blinded. You've been blinded by the God of this age. And so the truth is something out there, but you can't get to it because you're blind. You can't see. Now, let's take it one step further. This gets a little more intriguing. Now, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Ooh, now this gets interesting because God is love, is he not? And God loves everybody. And God is just love, love, love. Yes, he is. That is an absolutely true statement. God is love. It's also true God loves everybody. That is also true. But he gets angry and upset over those who suppress the truth by their wickedness, who remain in that condition of blindness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. God has made the truth obvious to every person. And don't give me one about somebody in the Pacific and an island? They've never had contact with the outside world. Here's what the Bible says. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them because God is fair, he is just, he is right. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. In other words, they can know the truth simply by going outside and looking and saying, this is bigger than me. And if I think somehow that there was this bang, somehow, and we got to this point off of that bang, man, you got a lot more faith than I do. You do. Right? Amen. So, as we begin thinking about this, Paul writes, they have no excuse for not knowing God. Even though Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers, they have no excuse. No one has an excuse because God has revealed himself to everyone. Rather, they traded the truth about God for a lie. There's a transaction that's made. God draws everyone to himself. We have a choice to make. He has revealed himself to every single individual. And that leaves us with a choice. Even if it's the general revelation of creation, God has revealed himself to everyone. Now that leaves us then with a choice. We can step out of that blindness or we can continue in the blindness. If we continue in the blindness, we have no excuse and we trade the truth about God and who he is for a lie. Here's the lie. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. So here are transactions happening all the time. If we are not gonna follow the truth, if we're gonna remain blind... Scriptures teach us, right? If we're going to remain in that condition, we are going to exchange the truth for a lie, and we're going to be worshiping something other than God. What does God think about that? What's the first commandment? This is interactive. Oh, God gets a little jealous when we worship other things what are you worshiping what am i worshiping i can tell you real quick what you're worshiping and what i'm worshiping by my calendar and my checkbook i can tell us what's truly valuable to us is time and money and where we are spending those things is what we are worshiping okay So there's this transaction in which we exchange the truth about God for a lie that somehow this is more valuable than that. And so we become blind and we remain in the darkness. God loves us so much for God... Keep going. Okay, these are a little bit ahead over here and these are a little behind. So let's start together. Someone start us on where is that found? Okay, somebody start us. Ah yes. in Wonderful. So John makes this incredible statement then. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. What's the devil's work that I just taught you? Blinding people, right? So that they will exchange the truth about God for a lie, right? So we often think, well, didn't Jesus came to save us? To heal us? To make us whole? Didn't he come to seek and save the lost? Isn't that why Jesus came? Yes, that's why he came, absolutely. But in order to do that, in order to free you and me, he first had to destroy the devil's work, and he has to counteract the lie by the truth that he is. So there was an incredible transaction, again, at the cross of Jesus, right? There was this clash between good and evil, between truth and the lie at stake with the souls of people of you and me. And so the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work so that we could be made free. In Jesus, right? And so Jesus at the cross destroys the devil's work. Truth triumphs over his lies. The war is over, but the enemy hasn't and will not quit. He is persistent. He understands what's at stake here. We often forget this because of the daily grind, and we're pulled back into this. But the reality is there's a war going on right now. Now, wouldn't it be really nice if those who follow Jesus, who say, I want the truth, I want to be set free by the truth, wouldn't it be nice if we were freed from deceptions and lies and we live happily ever after in the truth? Wouldn't that be nice? Has that been your story? No, no, that would be nice. But after we declare our allegiance to Jesus by faith in him, we are drafted into his army and we are put in the middle of a battle. Now maybe you're... Drafted unwillingly. Maybe you say I'd like to burn my draft card as was my generation's way of handling things, right? But you've been drafted The question is not if you are going to be in the battle. The question is what are you going to do in the battle? And so while we know the war was won through the power of the resurrection, Satan, knowing his time is short, continues to try frantically to drag as many down as he can, to blind them from the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He's frantic about this. We must never forget that ultimately this is God's battle. This is God's battle that can only be fought with God's power using God's weapons. And that's what we'll explore. It's called spiritual warfare. are two primary areas when it comes to this idea of spiritual warfare. The first is overemphasis. The second is underemphasis. Okay? And we'll take the next statement right after that. The two extremes, ignorance or infatuation so what do we do with this we throw out a term like spiritual warfare some blame every sin every conflict every problem on demons that need to be cast out i was prayer walking one time not in this city but in another and there was a woman on her front porch she was yelling very loudly she had a broom in her hand on her front porch satan get out of here you demons get out of here right i'm like oh that's weird that is really really weird Really weird, right? But some people are like that. They see this demon-like everywhere. It's like, whoa. Uh, most of the time, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Understand that. The enemy doesn't need any help. We can do that all by ourselves, right? On the other hand, on the other side of this equation, others completely ignore the spiritual realm all around us, even though the Bible tells us our battle is against spiritual powers. That's where the war is. I believe the key to successful spiritual warfare is finding the biblical balance. One element, one element of the fight between lies and truth is internal. It is within ourselves. This is a conflict that's going on within every person in this room right now. The other is the relentless conflict of living our lives for Jesus in a world that denies him, in fact hates him. Let's look at the internal struggle each of us faces. Here's what Paul wrote: "The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants." Who is Paul writing to here? Who? Uh, yeah, Jesus' followers. He is writing to Jesus' followers. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. Who is the spirit? Uh, who is the Holy Spirit? Third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Is the Trinity mentioned in the Bible, the word Trinity? No, but you believe it. Amen. Why? That's another sermon. Okay. <laughs> I thought there's one God. You got three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all God? Yes. They're all God, yes. but there's one God. Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, last time I checked math, it was like this. One plus one plus one is... Oh, I'm so confused. (laughs) Let's continue. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, in every Jesus follower in this room right now, there is this war going on inside of you. You have desires to go this way and desires to go that way. It's continual. It's relentless. And you know what the bottom line is? You are not free. And we sit in our lukewarm Christianity, bound up, quoting John 8, 32. But you will know the truth, and the truth will... But you're not free. Right here it says it. You are not free to carry out what you really want to do. Because of this internal conflict that has ground everything to a halt. And we go back and forth. Good, bad. Right? Oh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, isn't it? This battle that's going on? Don't kid yourself. It's going on within each of us. And so we're not enjoying the freedom that Jesus promised that we would have. The truth will set you free. Are you free? Are you going to walk right out of here and you're going to battle that same temptation, that same thought, that same desire? Here it comes again. Wham, 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 wham. And we're bang, 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 bang. All right? Is this true or not? Huh? It's true, right? It's true. All right. So yeah, here's how Paul expresses this in Romans 7. Man can I identify with this. I obviously need help. And together all God's people said, Yeah, no doubt about that. Why do I need help? I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. We are not free to carry out the good intentions that we have. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. I make a decision and nothing happens from that. Except this, boom, 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 right? What in the world am I going to do? Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The stuff that I'm wrestling with is the same stuff that I have been wrestling with. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. Can you see the frustration and anxiety in Paul? Now, who's Paul writing to here? Believers. Believers. Followers of Jesus, many think this is Paul's testimony found in Romans chapter 7 at one point in his life. I'm at the end of my robe. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. He says there is an answer here. And then read Romans chapter 8. And he talks about life in the spirit. God doesn't want us sitting in this life of contradictions, this battle between good and evil, going one way, going the other way. This is spiritual warfare. It's real. The clash within us comes from the war that's being fought right now all around us. So if I frame this in the bigger context, right? This thing that you're wrestling with right now, this issue in your life you just can't seem to get victory, can't seem to allow the truth to set us free in that area. Ultimately, we pull the lens back and we see what's happening universally. And it's pretty incredible. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 6, a final word be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. I just want to note that one thing. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And how I weary of evangelicals in this country. The enemy is pro-choice people. The enemy is the woke crowd. The enemy is liberal Democrats. It's ridiculous. And it grieves the heart of our Lord. They are not the enemy. The enemy is clearly defined by Scripture. The enemy is the enemy. This is a spiritual battle. And the quicker we get to the point where we see... The enemy isn't exactly who we might think it is. It's not flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle that's going on. Yeah, people who believe and behave differently than me or are even anti-God. They're that way for a reason. Does God still love them? Does he tell me to love my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? (laughs) Everyone. For me, it's simpler. It's Minnesota Viking fans. (laughs) He goes on to say, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Now, this passage of Scripture describes the army of a Roman soldier, armor of a Roman soldier. We're not gonna do that. Each piece was very practical then, in paul's day and has tremendous spiritual application for us today i suggest you spend some time in ephesians chapter 6. the point i want to make this morning is that a soldier wore a tunic made out of a square piece of material with holes cut in the head for the head and then the arms it was a square piece of material head cut out arms cut out right now it was loose fitting However, in hand-to-hand combat, if you had a loose tunic, you're in big trouble. Try to fight with all that stuff on you, right? So before a battle, the soldier was told to tuck the tunic into his belt. That would make sense. So he was ready to fight. The outfit of the average Joe in Paul's day, most of them common labors, was the exact same. This square piece of cloth with the head and the arms cut out. Then uh, you wore this thing around. If you had to move fast or if you had to do some heavy lifting at your job, you would tuck your tunic into your belt. So in Paul's day, it was very clear. Tucked in tunics was a sign. It's go time. It's go time. It's time for action. So the belt held all the other pieces of the armor in place for the soldier. And likewise, the believer's readiness for engaging this great battle of spiritual conflict and warfare is the belt of truth. Now, we've been talking about this. This is the same word that Jesus used to refer to himself in John 14.6. What does John 14.6 say? I am the way, truth, Correct. The same word truth that Paul is using here is the same word that Jesus used to describe himself. He is the truth. The truth sets us free. The truth is what holds it all together. And this is the first step. That's why we're spending these months on this series, Lies We Believe. Because this is an important, important issue. Truth is a person. Jesus is the living truth. God's word is truth. Jesus still desires to set us free. You will know my teachings, he said, right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He understood the spiritual battle that was going on around him. Did Jesus wrestle with the same spiritual battle within him? sure he do sure he did he's made exactly like we are tempted in every way as we are yet without sin he understands now as we prepare for battle here's some truth for us to stand on and i put this list in here just so you might take it and be reminded <laughs> because we have to make a stand against the lies of the enemy so let's just say these together i think these are important to say corporately here we go i am free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I can do all things through Christ, Who strengthens me? I am a victorious overcomer over the world through faith. Yeah, check these out. Check out the verses that are there. These are all truth, statements of truth as to who we are in Jesus. All right? Now, living in, living out these truths will allow us to go on the offensive and take back what the father of lies has taken from us. Here's what Paul wrote. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. The word foothold in Greek is tapas. It then becomes our word topography or map or place or location. Do not give the devil a base, a place of operation in your life. In context, it was anger that opened the door for this to happen. Do not give the devil a foothold. Who is this being written to? Originally. What was Ephesians? Was that a guy? Yeah, okay, okay. He's writing to Jesus' followers, correct? And he's saying, don't give the devil a foothold, a base of operation in your life. Once Satan is given an area, he will not give that ground back unless he's commanded to do it. That now becomes his. He claims that. He puts a stake there. And that then messes up our spiritual lives. And it can look different for every person in this room. But it's a point that we have said, okay, I can tinker with this. It won't hurt anybody. Nobody knows about it. But we give that over to the enemy. Now he's got a base of operation. He's going to do all kinds of terrorist activities in the lives of a believer. So we're having this conflict. Bang, 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 bang. And until that is taken back under the authority of Jesus Christ, this battle will continue to be at a frenzy in our marriage, in our homes, all around us. Paul says, Satan will not outsmart us. He will not do this, for we are familiar We are with his evil schemes. We know what he's up to. We know what he's trying to do. What are we going to do about it? That's the question. So he goes on to say, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments, the blinders that are on people. We have the authority in Jesus to knock down those strongholds. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Is God greater than the blindness? Yes. He definitely is. He definitely is. Where are we here? What are we going to do? I'll close with this. What are the weapons that God has given us? It is so simple and yet so difficult, the word of God. This becomes a weapon. In Matthew 4, we find the temptation of Jesus. Satan comes to him he after fasting for 40 days jesus obviously hungry says if you're the son of god turn these stones into bread right i'm not going to go through that passage but three times jesus answers from the book of deuteronomy deuteronomy what does deuteronomy mean what's a duet two namas in greek means law so it's the second giving of the law Deuteronomy then becomes the, the small package of the other books of the law. Three times Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. What happened to the devil when Jesus used the word of God? He left him. He left him. Is the word of God powerful? Yes. I believe that it is. When's the last time you read it? is it really a priority for us? Because in the evangelical camp, you say, oh, yeah, it's all about the word of God. It's powerful. Yeah. yeah, Sure, okay. If it's that powerful, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? It's right there. It's the truth. It's an offensive weapon. You see, we don't weaponize Scripture but we use scripture as a weapon. And I'm convinced we're flipping this thing all the way around, and we use scripture, we weaponize scripture, and we quote verses to non-believers, it makes no sense to them because they're blind, you ought to be behaving like that, you ought to be believing like that, and we use the word of God as a club with our children with those who don't know Jesus all around us, and we weaponize the truth. It was never intended for that. And I didn't get that. My family would eat together, all five of my kids, and when they were young, one of them said, Dad, can't you ever talk to us without quoting Scripture? Because I was weaponizing Scripture to control their behavior, and that's what the church is doing. We weaponize scripture to control other people or speak against the way they're behaving. That's not the intent of scripture. Scripture is a weapon against evil. It is not to be weaponized to control people. See the difference? Jesus never weaponized scripture. It was an offensive weapon that put evil to flight. Be careful. The word of God. It's precious it's precious it's a mighty mighty weapon and it's a mirror that i hold my life up to regularly and that mirror will tell me the truth about myself and the lies that i'm believing in the strongholds that may be in my heart of the desires that may be there that are not from God. the word of god is right there and it shows me it shows me the truth it is a weapon Against evil. The word of God is live, Powerful. Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit. Joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. There it is. The word of God. I can't get you to read it. I can't get you to study it. I can't get you to memorize it. Those can all become religious ritual if we're not careful. But it is a mighty weapon for the pulling down of strongholds, of freeing captives, of freeing me. It's precious. Make time for it. That's all I can say. In addition all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. He is firing rapidly now. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Second one, prayer. Again, word of God in prayer. Duh, I've heard this one before. Yeah, you have. I've been preaching this one for 38 years, right? Word of God and prayer. Word of God and prayer. Here's what Paul said. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. In other words, anchor our lives in the presence of Jesus. Praying always, on all occasions, praying without ceasing, With everything that's happening, maintaining this connection with God, not just on Sunday morning, we all know this, we all get this, but being in the presence of Jesus, walking with the truth so we can avoid the deception. There's a war going on, and it's impacting our hearts. Now, praying, praying, praying. Mentor a lot of guys as they head on the ordination track. And most all of them <laughs> I see have got AirPods and they're listening to a sermon or they're listening to a podcast. I'm not saying anything bad about that. I'm saying it's relevant and they're filling their minds and their hearts with good things. But I made a decision early on, Pastor Sam that I was going to spend the bulk of my time with dead guys. I want to read, I want to look at the lives of those who lived hundreds of years ago and who finished the race well. I'm tired of gimmicks and what's going to turn the church around and what's going to bring revival and what's going to do this. I want a man who has walked closely with Jesus right until his last breath. And so I spend my time with the dead guys. And they inspire me. I won't say anything wrong about the cool hip guys that are out there now, because they're speaking truth. But this is a choice that I've made. Here's one of them. His name was out of all chambers. The prayer of the feeblest saint who lives in the spirit and keeps right with God is a terror to Satan. The very powers of darkness are paralyzed by prayer. No spiritualistic seance can succeed in the presence of a humble praying saint. No wonder Satan tries to keep our minds fussy in active work till we cannot think in prayer. (laughs) As written hundreds of years ago, right? And now we got like a 10-second attention span flittering here, there, boom, 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 right? It's been coming for a while. And now the pedals to the middle on this thing keep our minds so fussy. We cannot think when we pray. You ever get down to praying, it's like, oh, man, I got all these thoughts. It's like, whoa, I can't hardly pray. Everything's just in there, right? What do I do? Here's one from R.E. Torrey. Again, a guy from the 1800s. When the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray and who really does pray, (laughs) and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. Love that kind of thing. And I long for the day when his work is at an end and the truth sets free. And right now, we're in this kind of holding pattern. The church in America declining rapidly. People walking away from the faith. It's happened before in history. It'll happen again. America's nothing special when it comes to that. And if we continue on the same course, we will be Europe. I've said that before. I've said that decades ago, having served in France, where 3% of the population goes to church on Sunday, once the greatest missionary sending country in our world, one of the best, one of the greatest, most spiritually vibrant countries in our world. You look at it today, it's a shell, and we are tracking right behind, right behind. So we've got some choices to make. We've got some choices to make. The truth will set us free. Truth is a person. This person is inviting us to be with him now, to experience the truth now, to live in the truth now through his word and prayer, and that's what tonight is all about. Pastor Sam's had this burden. We just need to be still before Jesus just to rest and listen and wait. And so tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to gather it's very simple. Just singing some songs and seeking God. That's it. And so every other Sunday night, the schedule is out. You've been sent it, but it starts tonight, 6 o'clock. If you can make it, try and make it. I think it'll be worth the investment of your time Pastor Sam has often said, it's not another thing to put on your calendar. This is a time to do this thing right and just spend some time with Jesus to be still so the victory might come, so the lies can stop, so we can turn this thing back around. Okay? Hmm. got... A minute. All right, I've thrown a lot at you this morning. Got a question? We've talked about the struggle within us. We've talked about the cosmic struggle that's happening universally right now. And it's heating up, folks. In this country, we can sure feel it. And we'll get news about the next shootings and the fear that's running rampant in this country at every turn, and it's happening. We all know it. You want to do something about it? Do nothing. Be still. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's the truth. Questions? Everybody okay? Okay? If you got more, talk to Pastor Sam. He's got his license now. (laughs) Oh, thanks for being so willing to listen. This is a passion of mine, and I I see the spiritual battle in the lives of people and in families. It's devastating. It's devastating. But Jesus is still Jesus, and the truth is still the truth, and we know the victory that comes from him.